0: Call the meeting to order. Um, before I call the roll call I just want to acknowledge that there's a uh, personal injury accident at Route 24 and 113 northbound that is holding up traffic and uh, at least three of our southern board members that were driving here are running a little bit late but uh, I believe we're going to have a quorum so let's uh, go ahead and get started with roll call. Man.
1: Mr. Castle, Mr.
2: Collins, Mr. Fritz, here. Dr. Hattier? He raised his hand. Okay. On the screen. Okay.
3: All right, sorry. I'm here.
4: Mr. Layfield? Here. Miss Moses? Here. Mr. Peden? Here. Pryor?
2: Here. Dr. Shatler? Here. Mrs. Wright? Here.
0: Do we have a quorum? 1.03 executive session. Is the motion going to executive session. So, so moved. moved. Made their second.
5: Second. Motion
0: made and seconded. Any further discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 I'd like to reconvene regular session. I ask for approval of the agenda for the February 11th board meeting.
4: So
0: moved. Motion second. Made
4: second. second.
0: Any discussion? All those in favor, say aye. 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 Asked by unanimous vote. 3.03, the pledge. i going to ask everyone to stand. Flags at the back of the room. I pledge allegiance, allegiance to the United States, of United States of America, to the to republic in which it stands, one in nation, indivisible, Liberty, justice, justice for all. Thank you. 4.01 public comments. Before we begin our public comment session, I'd like to make a brief statement. We have several people signed up to speak tonight, and there will likely be some opposing views expressed. We urge you to be respectful for each other's beliefs even if they're not the same as your own. And remember that everyone has told their opinion. This is the foundation of democracy and the process we live by. Any disrespect directed towards public speakers or board members will not be tolerated. The board will make every effort to everyone who signed up to speak this evening. In addition, we will only have one public comment session. As we conclude this meeting, there will be no interaction between the audience members and the board The board will take all opinions expressed during this public comment session under consideration when discussing the topics on our agenda this evening.
6: At this time, I'd ask Mr. Ruggiero to open up the chat for those that are joining us virtually. Uh, We'll leave that open for uh, 30 seconds, a minute or so. And if you would like to join public comment, participate in public comment, please put your name in the chat at this time. Rogerio,
7: thank you. Dr. Owens, if you wanted to do the uh, in-person public comments, we can give them a little bit longer. We don't have anybody that's signed up
6: yet. I'm sorry, Charlie. Did you say in-person public comments first?
7: Uh, we can go ahead and do that.
6: Uh, we don't have anybody yet. It's uh, okay. password. It. All right, our first up for public comment this evening is Molly Carter.
8: All school year Indian River School District has violated and continues to violate the rights of Delaware citizens, including 14th Amendment due process rights. In addition, students with IEPs have continually failed to have their IEPs fulfilled. This ultimately falls on this board gathered today as your board policies state that the board has the responsibility for establishing policy and for the general administration of the district. There have been unilateral decisions made of when to deprive students of an opportunity to learn by forcing them out of school on speculation about how risky you imagine a student might be. Even violent students and students with communicable disease have due process rights guaranteed that have been denied to healthy students in this district all year. The barrier to education that has been put up by the district far outweighs any speculative benefit. Leadership has continually placed blame for these actions elsewhere. You have stated that DPH mandates the quarantine of children from in-person learning who are close contacts, but an email from the policy lead of DPH denied this, saying it was IRSD that was excluding students. The Delaware Department of Education has a legal obligation to ensure students have an opportunity to attend school. It is not DPH or DOE depriving students of their education. It is Indian River School District, and it must stop. Your current policies, or at least those you accept, with regards to denying public in person learning and thus any learning at all in light of no remote option, due to issues surrounding COVID, are arbitrary, capricious, and place fear ahead of educational rights and needs of children. You do this while at the same time disregarding or at least tolerating a requirement for teacher vaccinations. You need to pivot completely away from these practices. As parents, we want to see our tax dollars going to educating our children, not to litigation. So I implore you tonight not to remain on the current path. Thank you.
6: Our next, our next speaker is, I apologize about this last name, Christina Tarbikus, of
5: course. So good evening. Um, I'm here to share the struggles of an IRSD student whose father, Steve Perl, could not be here tonight. This student is a seventh grader at SMS with a 504 plan. She couldn't have been happier at the beginning of the school year. She came home beaming and excited every day. Then she was made to quarantine, not once, but two times as a close contact, despite never having COVID. This caused her to fall behind and it kicked up her anxiety. She wasn't provided the work that she should have been provided. It was found out after the fact that her teachers weren't even notified that she was out on a school force quarantine. She then had to miss time for a surgery that had been scheduled for almost a year. The surgery alone would have been enough to disrupt education without arbitrary forced exclusion by IRSD for close contact quarantine. Since then, this student has barely attended school. She cries all the time about it. She has been to counseling and multiple doctors. Her mother has communicated almost endlessly with the guidance office but there was still a struggle to get work from teachers or to have any consistent communication. Sometimes there were weeks without a return phone call or email. This student is an incredible kid full of life, very respectful, and is a hard worker. Anyone that knows you would tell her that. When she left JMC, she was in the Spanish immersion program and had great grades, National Honor Society, Since being at SMS, dealing with the ridiculous policies that the school district adopted to deal with COVID, this child and so many others have struggled. She struggled so badly last year with the online classes. She tried to keep up, but cried daily and her grades started declining. Ultimately, there was no choice but to withdraw her from the immersion program, which she loved. She was left anxious and feeling like a failure. This ha- then this happens this year with excessive exclusions of kids from school. No child should have to deal with this. Guidance departments and schools seem overwhelmed to help all these students who are struggling. This story is just one of many. Stop adding barriers to the education of our students. Return to normal for our healthy students. If they are asymptomatic, they have a right to an education without jumping through hoops. You have been told there is a group of very angry parents, and there are. We are ready and willing to take whatever action is necessary to ensure that our students get uninterrupted education from this point forward. Thank you very much.
6: Andrea Caggiano.
9: way okay hi i'm andrea caggiano i've been up here before i'm here to represent our community our observations facts concerns and questions for you guys to retask anything at this point even the stay test to stay we oppose it it's very negative for us I brought with me two Aspire bills here. I brought two Aspire bills. December 24th, due to contact tracing, my husband tested negative. We canceled Christmas. December 26th, no symptoms. He looked at me, I got a test, he tested positive. Two University of Delaware students and an IR senior test apply went to Georgetown. Those two tested positive. Four hours later, we took the senior of IR to West Ocean City and he tested negative. My father-in-law was tested by Dr. Beebe at 8.05 a.m. and was negative. At 85 years old, Dr. Beebe felt he needs to send it away. Miraculously, 10 hours later, the molecular test comes back and it's positive. I wrote you guys a letter back in December, begging about the denying of an education of our children and what the mask and what this was doing to our community, our community kids. The vaccine, in my letter, the vaccinated child, the home test was positive, PCR negative, home test positive, PCR test positive, doesn't matter. This child went through six, if not more days of testing. Five days on a vaccinated child of quarantining. She's missed 15 days straight. It's not about the $412 two bills, and there's plenty more. $125 does not matter to us because I know obviously if we test to stay, it'll be free. We're not going to talk about the accuracy. I've come to you about the sensitivity of these tests. If you guys are recasting this the home test and the PCR test. The CDC has said that the PCR test detects a few days before the home test. The CDC also, on December 31st, said that the test can detect dead and non-infectious up to 12 weeks. There's more infectious doctors here that say for months. I stand here as proof, an employee of ours, Roberto in 2019 and 20, tested positive. Out of out of work for 10 days, tests to get back in, positive. Three days later, positive. Three days later, positive. Three days later, Nikki, Andrea, I got to come to work. We called him into work, we took him to Hopkins. 15 seconds, man. We took him to Hopkins. They took his blood and his blood continued to test. University of Pennsylvania called us, his blood was still testing positive. Besides all this, I'm not here with the CDC now states, exposure, close contact, six feet away. If you have COVID in the last 90 days and test positive, there is no quarantine. So if you're testing from now or March 31st, that's to the end of school, no testing. Our school data was lost, remember, erased. Our children's natural antibodies from this infection, the imprint that had in children continues to grow and protects these children from these new variants. Who will you test the unvaccinated child that actually made it through the three variants? You guys are on our side and you told our parents about the mask in the thick of Delta and we knew Omicron was coming. Our community said mask optional. To honor, you need to honor our community's decisions. Now that it is obviously in our hands now, finally, in our hands, mask optional until March 31st. And then when Carneo takes us off the mask list then, please inform Name the you parents of the CDC time. testing and please pull the parents if you feel like you're going to retask. I can leave this here for you guys. I know you're very busy. With my information. Thank you.
10: Kim Wills.
2: Hello, first I'd like to thank you guys for actually being on the board and being for the kids. You guys would not hold this position. You would not come here and put up with everybody week after week if you didn't care for the kids. We know this. You're on a hard spot, but you're also on the spot that in the future could save our kids. Our kids have gone through this with emotional abuse, they're getting lung issues, chronic bronchitis, and it's from the mask. You have students in kindergarten and first grade who are eating their mask while sitting in class. The teachers are saying, hey, don't do that. And they sit there with that wet mask on because the teacher doesn't have extra boxes of these masks. The parents are supposed to provide them. You're having kids that are getting sick constantly from other things, not COVID. Quite basically, the fear of COVID is so over at this point. If you're still afraid of COVID compared to all the things that the kids are suffering from, we need to really have a talk with you guys. I mean, quite honestly, the next strand of COVID is going to be freedom. We should free our kids.
6: Thank you. Alex Steeler.
7: Hello, uh, my name is Alex. I have a, a son at the Early Learning Center in Frankfurt and a daughter at Lord Baltimore. Uh, I'm definitely not as well prepared as the other parents, um, but I do have some concerns I'd like to share with you. Uh, my concerns are really regarding the medical discrimination that I see in our schools and that is happening to our children. Healthy, unsymptomatic children uh, are being forced to quarantine when in the same situation a vaccinated child would be able to stay in school. It, it's not February 2020 anymore. We know about COVID, and we know about these vaccines. We know that our school-age children are the least likely segment of our population to have severe reactions, uh, symptoms, or even death from COVID-19. We also know that these vaccines, and uh, sorry. I'm a bit excited about the situation. Again, I'm not that well prepared. But we also know that these vaccines are new vaccines. Uh, MNRA, uh technology is gene therapy. We do not have long-term information on this. We have information that shows that young children who are very unlikely to be hurt by COVID are having issues with myocarditis. We have information that these vaccines um, are causing uh, menstrual issues in women. Yet we are being almost coerced into giving our children these vaccines so that they can live a normal life and get a normal education. Um, I, I, I just ask that the board uh, do their own research. Um, you must know of you know the VAERS reporting system and that there are a mil- over a million reported negative side effects, injuries uh, associated with these COVID-19 vaccines over 20,000 reported uh, deaths that came after these vaccines. Now this is a self-reporting system, but it has to mean something. We cannot be so willing to give up our children's safety, our children's future out of fear of something that we we know now is not that dangerous to our children. We also know that COVID is a treatable disease. Doctors all over the United States and all over the world are treating this disease with cheap over-the-counter drugs. COVID should... No child needs to die from COVID. And it, it, it's an absolute shame in my eyes that parents are being coerced into vaccinating their children without informed consent um, and put in a situation where if, if we want our kids to be able to attend everyday school, not be segregated, not be kept from their friends uh, or, or their, you know, the, a school, in school learning environment, because they have a concerned parent that believes that it is safer for them to remain among their peers and that natural immunity is there to protect them. Thank you.
9: Thank you.
6: Jake Bushler.
11: Good evening. I'm Jake Bushler, a kindergarten teacher at Lord Baltimore Elementary. Um, I've spent the last two years being one of the few teachers that's not afraid to stand up against these tyrannical and nonsensical mandates. I've faced public and private scrutiny, and uh, I want to come up with a little bit different um, viewpoint today. I can all tell you how ridiculous all this stuff is, but you can go to the grocery store tomorrow and see when 90% of the people take their mask off, how none of us really care. But I want to give a solution because nobody's talking about solutions to what we can maybe do or at least ask questions um and i think the big thing that we all need to practice is compassion every human we are we your interactions with the daily people they're great and i've had interactions with people that disagree with me and the ones i remember are the ones that try to understand and work towards a solution and right now there are people out there that whether it's warranted or not have a fear of going back to normal And you have to acknowledge that. It doesn't mean that you need to uh, bend the knee to everything they do, because that's how we got in this situation situation in the beginning, because of the greater good, which is one of the worst terms you can do when you're making government policy. And I'll go into that a little bit later. Um, We need to equip ourselves to be educated as citizens. And that means knowing our Constitution. Um, Our first reaction when we talk to people does not need to be hatred and neglect you got to actually start to listen if you're ever going to change their mind. Uh, we Right now, we have no rule book that we're operating by. Everybody that's mad at our district employees and our school board and our everything like that, they don't know the rules. And the problem is because we've gotten away from it. What's the supreme law of our land? It's the US Constitution. What's the supreme law of Delaware? It's a Delaware Constitution. But right now, we are not following the rule book. In our Delaware state constitution, section three, um, Article 17, the execution of laws. He or she shall take the care of the laws and be faithfully executed. The governor does not have the power to make law. So what I'm saying is, can we push back on that? This this mandate did not go through the process of a legislative branch of being put into law. There is nothing in our state constitution that says there is an emergency order that you can change the rules. And we need to honor that. There's a difference. We talked about this is a democracy. No, it is not. We are a Republican. People do not know the difference. A democracy is mob rule. If somebody commits a crime and the village wants that person's head, they cannot do that. A republic is the sheriff, which in Delaware, we got rid of our sheriff's power. You need to learn what that was in 2013. The sheriff comes in and says, yes, that guy did it. We all saw it, but you cannot do that. He uh, He has a fair trial or she has a fair trial. There's no emergency order for the greater good, because what starts to happen as that goes out, there's fewer and fewer people in that greater good. And that's what we're experiencing right now. But the people in our community are amazing. Our school board members are amazing. My administrators, my teachers that I work with, the students I work with on a daily basis, we're all on the same page. But we need to see if you guys can work back, because nobody's asked the question, why do you think we're not doing it? Because we don't know what the process is. All right. And Ben Franklin said, if you, you have a republic, if you can keep it and we have an amazing district and we need to figure out if we can keep that, because if we're following everything that Governor Carney is telling us to do, we're not going to keep that. And we're going to lose our individuality. Thank you.
10: Thank you.
0: Before we call the next person up, we've exceeded our 15 minutes of public speaking. I would like to make a motion we move beyond the 15 minute limit of public comments. Is there second. a second? Second. Motion made second. Any further discussion? All those in favor, say aye. 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 Thank you. Passed <clears throat> by unanimous, uh, unanimous vote. We're gonna move forward to public session. And again, as we go through, ask respect for everyone in the room, try to stay within the time frames we're asking, please.
6: Jennifer Heard.
12: You guys know my husband, Joe, he had an operation, he couldn't be here tonight. My unmasked daughter lives with him, my unmasked son also lives with him. Joe was COVID negative. Guys, enough, enough, enough. Let it be a choice. If you are not strong enough as a board to say no masks, then be a little bit stronger. I don't want to see not one of you. I can really go back to the same exact, let's go back to August. I said I'm a realist. I said I was a realist. Married a cop, had two kids, moved down here having a great time, and now we have a litigation because of you people. Are you for real? Are you for real? This is where our money is gonna go? I had enough. I don't want to see not one is at Chick-fil-A, BJ's Giant. Please do the order because you know what? Your high school people, your kids that they're in the school, they serve you in your restaurants, at the movies, at Planet Fitness. It's the same exact thing that I brought up in August. And here we are. If you cannot change this, then why are you here? I know probably half well I know a lot of you do agree with me, but the ones that don't are in Washington accepting awards without a mask. Thank you. My daughter not really liked to as well. She is you're here and she didn't sign up. And oh, no, I forgot. I forgot to ask if that would be okay with you if you
0: wouldn't mind. Thank you. She'd be going out of order, but if she wants to use the rest of your time, she could come up here. Yes, ma'am. Sure, she's not. Sure, ma'am. Would you like to provide her name? I'll add her to this list. Yes, ma'am. You're welcome. Crystal shear.
9: Good afternoon. My name is Crystal
1: Shear. And I do have to be honest that I don't have any kids in the school district. I am um, never had any kids. I live in Milford. But I came down here to stand with these parents out here behind this crazy stuff. Every one of you sitting up there can be just like I am. Sit there and think and ask yourself, what, how would we handle this 30 years ago, 40 years ago when we were in school? I'm telling you, it would devastate me because this is my social life. School doesn't do, does a lot more than just teach somebody an education. It teaches us how to become adults later on in, in, in the years. Two years now, this is enough. This is enough. We're all hearing fake numbers. We're hearing the COVID thing doesn't work. Um, I, for one, haven't taken one COVID test since it started and won't take one. Never had any symptoms, don't have anything. I don't know how many of you guys are losing your friends, but I haven't really lost any to COVID. So this stuff is bull crap. The CDC is also leaving Washington because they want to get as far away from Washington as they can so they think that they can regain their um, um, credibility. I got news for them. It's shot. And anybody else that keeps supporting this, two years later, your credibility is shot too. So please, just think beyond this and think about these kids inside the school so they can get on with their social life, so they can become adults just like you and I, and we can sit there and understand what's going on. It's for the kids. It's not anymore about us. It's about these kids. This is our future. So if we don't stand behind them, we might as well roll over the communists because that's what's going to take place. These kids are our future. And we just, they need you. Thank you.
6: Thank you ever Heard,
10: how are you guys doing? Good. How are you? I'm going to read a letter from my wife first, and then I'll have comments from myself because as most of you know that are married. That's that's how it works. <laughs> um, also, I'd rather there's there's so many other places I'd rather be tonight than than here on a Friday night. I'd rather be at date night and so forth. I I applaud you for being here tonight and so forth. Um, So I'll get started. Uh, This is from my wife who's a second grade teacher, Carrie Heard at Lord Baltimore Elementary. Uh, My daughter's a sophomore, our daughter's a sophomore in Indian River High School. This past Monday, she sat next to a friend at lunch who tested, later tested positive for COVID. On Tuesday, we were notified by the school nurse that she would be placed on quarantine for five days. The illogical consequences that follow are impossible to comprehend. My daughter sat to the left of her friend. The student sitting across from the COVID positive student did not have to quarantine. The student sitting diagonally across from the COVID positive student did not have to quarantine as well. The student sitting to the right of the COVID positive student did have to quarantine. I imagine it is the science that is telling us that COVID only spreads in a horizontal line. My daughter had COVID five weeks ago at a time a week after Christmas. Tests were scarce. We we used an at-home test. When I explained to the nurse that my daughter had taken an at-home test during a nationwide testing shortage, we were told that our test was unacceptable. The nurse claimed that, claimed that she couldn't trust how the test was administered and who administered the test. I watched my daughter take the test. I don't routinely swab strangers to get a positive test result to pass off to my child's school as proof that she had a virus. Again, I imagine it's, it's the science quotation marks that can tell us that a positive test result is not really a positive test result. Due to this quarantine, my daughter will miss a robotics competition this Saturday. As team captain, she'd been working for two months to participate in this competition. She has met with her team for approximately three hours each week to design, engineer, document the creation of her team's robot. She diligently prepared for a competition that she will now be denied the opportunity to participate in. How long are we going to deny logic and destroy our children's lives? I humbly ask you to stand on the side of common sense and allow for our children to go back to normal. Maybe when we show our children that we still value their initiative and hard work. I realize that your position is a difficult one. I do as well in these trying times and I appreciate your consideration in the matter. Really the only thing, and I'm excited tonight to take part in democracy. And the first thing I also wanna say is thank you for Dr. uh, Dr. Blannard, who I've been on the phone with multiple times this week, responded to my phone calls in a very prompt manner. Um, I understand also that you're volunteers. Really, if you would respond back to me, I don't know if you're allowed to do that or not. I just have a couple simple questions. Is it a fear of litigation that's driving the school board to make the decisions that it's made so far? Is that why we're going to be in mass until March 31st, where a majority of the schools across the the nation or not I mean that's my question I'm asking for an answer we don't engage back and forth or I apologize that's our policy and that's and that's and that's what's that's what's irritating to be honest is there is no engagement when We're, we discuss the topic a little bit later okay you may be able to drive some things from our discussion all right I understand your position I know a number of you in I served in the military. I know a state trooper and so forth. And the one thing that springs to my mind is, as we go through this process is this. When I was in the military, you know, I understood that I took an oath. But also if, by taking that oath and standing up for what I believe in is when you are given an order. If you deem that order illogical, if you deem that order unconstitutional, if you deem that order immoral, you are bound and duty bound to go against it. I know where you stand. I just don't understand the logic of it. I don't understand where you guys are coming from. Is it a fear of litigation that's stopping us from moving forward? And if that's the case, how long are we going to live in fear? And if that's the case, I understand that. I think that needs to be communicated a little bit more effectively to the people here. Because when you have teachers like Jake Bushler, like my wife, who love Lord Baltimore, who love the school district, I have two kids in the school district, I applaud most of you. I know most of you. When we get to this point where we've got letters being written, I think there's been a breakdown in communication. And the one thing that I've learned this week in communication with, with um, Dr. Blannard, with the Department of Health, with this, the principal at Indian River High School, is there's a complete disconnect. Department of Health is telling me one thing. The administrators are telling me another. The principal's telling me another. And I, I see you shaking your head and I get it. I understand where you're coming from. So we can't live in fear anymore. If that's a fear of litigation, so be it. If that's I think if that's if that's relayed to us as as parents, I think we'll understand that. But right now, as a parent to a sophomore and to a, a fourth grader, I just I, I don't know how I go back and say you've got to be in a mask for another six weeks while the rest of the country isn't. How I explain to my sophomore. You can't go to your competition tomorrow, because even though you've had COVID, the test you took wasn't, wasn't uh, accepted by the school nurse, the Department of Health, and so forth. And that's it. I thank you for your service. I really do. I talked to the, to, to the Indian River administration today. I know I'm almost out of time. You don't have to tell me. Um, and I know that you're not compensated. That, that shocked me. You don't get any benefits. You don't get a paycheck. You're here on a Friday night, just like me. And I thank you for that. But I ask you to, you know, sometimes God, God decides and God, God picks who has to make the tough decisions, who has to stand in the wall. And that's you. And I want you to know that I'm praying for you. Thank you.
9: Natalie Hurd.
4: Um, I'm a junior here, and I haven't worn a mask since December. I have not gotten COVID, haven't spread it, haven't been near anyone with it, and I'm still good. I have so many people that come to me in the hallways and ask me, How do you get your exemption? Where did you get it? When did you get it? Are you scared that you don't wear a mask? No, I feel fine. It's actually a lot off my shoulder. I feel very like, like weights are lifted and I just feel more calm. You don't have to wear a mask one not wear a mask. And half the people in my class don't wear it properly. So what's the point of even wearing it? It should be optional. If you want to wear one, great. Have fun. But others don't, and it's just irritating because I just don't understand why we would have to wear it if some of us don't want to. It should be optional. So I just, I don't know why we have to. And yeah, Thank like, yeah.
6: Mr. Ruggiero, did we have anyone? uh, Yes, we do have
4: one, uh,
7: Ashley Elksness. Uh, So Ashley, we're gonna unmute, we're gonna allow you to talk here. So you just uh, select that you'll want to talk and we can hear you in here.
13: Hey, can you guys hear me? Yes. All right, my name is Ashley Elksness. I have a first grader in Long Neck Elementary. I'm hearing from parents, students, teachers, All opposing these mandates, like why why is it still going on? Last week I had my IEP meeting for my son and I was told that my son has trouble making friends. He isolates and he doesn't engage with other students which came to a shock to me because my son does not have trouble making friends. He is very friendly. He approaches anybody in the community and will talk with them. And I'm thinking, why? Why is he having trouble at school? Not at daycare, not in the community, not when we go out to lefties to the little arcade and there's other kids that he doesn't even know. Not with friends, not with family. So why in school? And I come to the conclusion that you guys are scaring the crap out of these kids with these ridiculous mandates. It has been two years now. We have learned about this virus. We have learned how to live with it and we have to learn how to continue living with it because it's not going away. My kid has not had a normal school year to date. This is two years of irreparable damage and I'm asking it to stop. Carney lifted the mask mandate. On Monday, my kid will be there without a mask. And if he's denied entrance or if he's denied the same routine education that he is supposed to get with his IEP, not to mention in his IEP, he has speech problems and he's in speech therapy. I have said over and over again how these mask mandates are hindering him from his progress. He'll be there on Monday without a mask, and I am fully prepared to get a lawyer if he is made to wear one or separate it from anybody. That's all I have to say.
6: We do not have any further uh, online sign-up. No more online signups. Thank you,
0: thank you Mr. Rogerio. Anybody else in the building tonight that would like to speak publicly that did not sign up? Seeing none. Thank you for public comment tonight. Superintendent report, 5.01. Test the stay options with opportunity to address our Dr. Ellen.
6: Thank you, Mr. Whitefield. Um, as you're aware and as we heard tonight, um, concerns with regard to recommendation for quarantining students who are deemed close contacts with students who test positive uh, remain. We have been in contact with the Department of Ed, DPH, to explore available options to keep students in school, even after uh, exposures. I'm going to go through three options tonight and uh, allow the board to ask any questions and um, potentially adopt some of these procedures. Which are different than what we've been operating under uh, thus far. Quidel is a test to stay. Prog- ha- offers a test to stay uh, add-on to their testing surveillance program that we've talked about uh, in previous board meetings. Uh, this program is for asymptomatic students. In order for students to participate in the test to stay program, students must be enrolled in a weekly surveillance testing. Uh, students may opt into this program at any time. So before I get into the test to stay aspect of this, I want to talk a little bit about the surveillance um, testing portion. Woodhill Healthcare care professionals would administer a rapid antigen COVID-19 test, which will provide test results in about 10 minutes. And that would be a nasal swab. That's for students that opt into surveillance testing at their uh, respective school. If a rapid test comes back positive, a follow-up PCR would be given. Uh, As long as supplies last, I I understand that that can be an issue with Quidel. Students would require parent or guardian consent to participate in this surveillance testing and Quidel is on site to offer this weekly testing in our schools for interested students. So this would be parents that opt into this particular program. Uh, They would also offer testing for our staff members. Uh, As per Quidel, there's an estimated two-week turnaround, although Uh, upon uh, discussions this week, they felt they may be able to expedite this for us if we wanted to uh, introduce Quiddell's surveillance testing program within our schools. So that said, if we are part of a surveillance testing program, we also have a test to stay option. Test to stay allows eligible students and staff identified as close contacts uh, with positive cases who are asymptomatic to attend school if daily antigen testing is negative. A minimum of 20 students are required per school to be a part of the, that program. And we have asked for the ability to combine schools in close proximity. For instance, if we offer a site in Selbyville, I would ask that we combine our SDSA, our Philip Show, and Selbyville Middle. Those are all in close proximity and varying levels of student capacity and not just add, have 20 students per site uh, they believe they can make that work, so we are continuing to discuss that with them. Uh, as indicated, I would request three sites, one at Selbyville, one in Georgetown, and one in Millsboro for this particular option. Um, there is also a, type, a, a site at Sussex Tech. Uh, these would be requests, and we would have to uh, wait for Quidel to determine if those sites are feasible. If the school participates in st- test to stay, staff may be tested with Quidel on site. Uh, with on-site, on-site test options as well. If a student is identified as a close contact, they would report the test uh, that evening from 3 to 6. Those sites would be open 3 to 6, five days a week, Sunday through Thursday. If a student is not enrolled in the test-to-stay program and the parent would like to opt in, uh, once they're identified as a close contact, they may immediately do so and be afforded the opportunity for daily testing to remain in school. If we move forward with this option, we will send out information to families tomorrow, uh, identifying and outlining this program, and we would conduct a survey on Monday of next week to determine um, absolute interest. That's the question. Quidel option. We do have other options. Uh, as we've discussed in the past, we know that this program, the Quidel program does have limitations, especially for uh, parents that may not be able to get to a given test site. Thus, any family that presents a hardship with transporting a student to the Quidel testing site would engage in consultation with their principal uh, and or nurse, and the principal will consult with our assistant superintendent, Mrs. Blannard, for consi- consideration for one of the following options. Finex rapid testing, this option is intended to be a supplemental to the Quidel program, and we do uh, would get a district supply that we would uh, distribute among our schools. The supplies uh, could be limited, but right now they do have supplies. This would be an option if Quiddell is unavailable uh, for those parents in the school. We have already applied for a CLIA waiver, which allows us to obtain these tests, and we've received uh, verification that we are, are able to receive those. The students would be able to self-administer these tests within the school under the supervision of a staff member, and they, this takes about 15 minutes. If the student is negative, they can remain in school if they've been in close contact for the remainder of the day. And again, they would be monitored for those five consecutive days as recommended. Staff would also be able to uh, participate in this if, if needed. Um, in terms of staff, we our numbers are down considerably. They have been declining over the last five weeks. Thus, we would be able to utilize our CDC Foundation staff to perform these tests and monitor these tests, as well as our floating nurse. And obviously, our in-school nurses would have the option to conduct this if they would like to as well. Um, We would work with them on the operational elements of this. Again, this would allow testing on-site at our schools so students can remain in our classrooms. As I mentioned, the sites we are looking for are Georgetown, Millsboro, and Selbyville. Longneck is an outlier. So we would uh, allow our CDC Foundation staff member to be housed at that particular site, to uh, because I understand that would likely be a hardship for some of our families to get to Quedell sites. Thus, the Binex could be used there under the supervision of the CDC person. I think probably more um, there would be a larger volume there because students would have difficulty coming into town to to uh, to the Quedell site. With the Binax testing, we checked and we cannot send, with our clear waiver, we cannot send those tests home. However, that brings me to our third option, home test. We know that home test kits have become more readily available. Again, if Panel is not a viable option, the school could provide five days of approved home test kits to families in need. We would need to purchase these tests in house, which we would be uh, able to do, and they would need to be observed. And what we would do is set up a Zoom meeting with families with our schools with Mrs. Blandet or CDC person to allow us to zoom with the family, observe the test being uh, completed, and then allow what if it is negative, allow our students to continue to remain in school via the home test kit. Results would be shared with the principal and school nurse and that would need to continue for the five-day window. Uh, in addition, our nurses have been analyzing our procedures And our lead nurse, Mrs. Miller, has indicated that nurses support the use of home tests and the Binax as a mitigation strategy. These nurses have proposed that we accept positive home test results as valid reasons to avoid further quarantine when students are exposed to known positive cases, especially when clinically significant symptoms are associated with this. I have confirmed uh, that our district can consider positive home test results when making decisions related to quarantine. So in summary, while we still do have some work to do operationally around how we can make this work uh, as, as intended, as I've discussed here tonight, I think these options are a major step in the right direction to help to minimize the need to quarantine students within our schools once they're close contacts. I've spoken with our lead nurse, as I said, Mrs. Miller, and she agrees that these measures will help to mitigate the need for quarantining students. Uh, If these measures are approved, we will meet with our school principals and nurses early next week to discuss operational measures and get this in place as soon as possible. Certainly we'll answer any questions uh, from the board.
0: Dr. Owens. We had previously had the opportunity to go with Cordell a few board meetings back. And I know as a board member, I was kind of opposed for a testing site within the school. I just didn't think of something. It it has limitations. There are some issues that still linger today from this. But as we're finding out, uh, not allowing students into the school, this is a way to mitigate that. We can get students back in the classroom sooner by Quiddell alone. But the other options that are there with the Binax and the uh, home test kits, et cetera, that's a much more robust program. And uh, just looking at it, I think this is an option that uh, I'm in favor of, and I think our board should move forward with. I think it's a, a better practice to allow to get our students back in the classroom. And uh, I understand we've been dealing with many different government agencies from the governor's mandate directly on down to the Department of DPH or uh, Department of Health. And some of the answers we have gotten from them have been shocking to me. We're trying to uh, run a school, but we're also trying to interpret uh, special code and language as they're trying to tell us. They make recommendations, but when we follow the recommendations, we're out on an island to make a decision as a school district. I found that extremely frustrating and a burden we all must weather. You hear so many people talk about why the world would you want to get on the school board. All you're dealing is with people's children and their money. And that's exactly the situation we're faced with safety of our students in our school and the dollar signs about doing what's right. There's a balance we're trying to strike here. And I think with this robust program moving forward, we're getting closer to allowing our students back in the classroom. Who knows what's ahead of us? The governor's mandate is going to be gone uh, for the masks at the end of March. We're under that assumption. He's moved that timeline time and time again. It's like the uh, cheese in front of the rat. They keep moving us along. If he does go that way, how are we going to morph into following these policies and procedures in these quarantines? They're going to have to change. So I think this is the best available option that we have. And some of these options, when was the first time you heard of the Binex, et cetera?
6: Binax has been available, but we learned a lot more just a week ago about availability and the clear waiver. So that's that's fairly new to us.
3: Mr. Chairman, can you hear me? i ahead, here, yes. Okay, um, if I may just have a few moments, please. Then This is going to be an odd order. First, the speaker who asked about litigation, you betcha I'm afraid of litigation. And I'm afraid of litigation specifically because of what um, Mr. Layfield just said. The state recommendations are just a recommendation, except if you read them, where it says that we shall do this and we shall do that. And those words are in there. All right. So if we get sued by that, we do not have coverage. We would be sued as individuals. And as much as I agree with virtually every speaker who stepped up today and anybody who knows me knows that I do, I can't risk my family for something like that. And we all know that there are attorneys out there who will do things simply because that's what attorneys do. And that's not something that I'm willing to risk my my fortunes on. I apologize. I'm a coward. Okay. Second, on the issue of quarantine, recently, as in Monday, we found out that home tests for state employees, or at least teachers, are allowed. Now, you would think we would know this. Nope, we got it through a phone call. When um, Dr. Owen says that this was a recent development, oh, well, it was recent, all right, like Thursday or Friday. Okay, they dropped it on us. And that means that it's something that we did not have available before. And I commend Dr. Owens for putting together a package the way he did, because essentially it's the common sense stuff that almost all of us would have wanted a year ago. But by having it now being presented this way and the state giving us their permission, think quotes, okay, it's something that can definitely fly. All righty. And one other item, there was a person out there who said that it's all bullcrap. No, it's not. If you look at the research, the people who are more likely to die of anything are over 60 years of age with multiple factors, which by the way, the state still doesn't list on their website. The state does list on their website, however, that virtually nobody under the age of 30 has died from this, which again feeds back to every speaker in the room. British studies show that if you're exposed to natural immunity, you're absolutely better off. And that's verified by um, a CDC study out of California and New York. It's very clear. Vaccines at that point offer you maybe an extra 2%. Is that worth risking your kids on? Okay. Um, And in my opinion, no, it's not. All righty. They're reacting to this rather uh, slowly. The entire issue of vaccines actually is past what this particular uh, board meeting is about. And there's a lot of questions on that that we can, uh, you know, talk about at some other time, but that's not for us. Speaking for myself, though. Natural immunity is where it's at. Oh, by the way, the Brits will not give vaccines to kids under the age of 12 because of the high rate of, of problems that are with the vaccine. Okay, so what do the British know that we don't know? Eh, not a heck of a lot. We know it too. We're just choosing not to do it because the other people want the money. righty. so I would recommend that the district adopt what Dr. Owens has come up with um, and with the assumption, of course, that we implement this as soon as possible uh you know and get the families back into school the way they need all righty thank you very much for the time i appreciate it mr chairman
0: thanks doc any further discussion from any board members i make a motion that we authorize the administration to move forward with quadell and other reasonable testing options to ensure Equitable opportunities to keep our students in the school. And Mr. Chairman, if that
3: specifically regards the quarantine issue, I will second it. I apologize, Doc. That's
0: going to be the motion in the future. This is going to be specific to authorizing the administration to move forward with Codell and reasonable testing options. This does not discuss, include, or have anything to do with quarantining. This has to do with what we just talked about with the Binax and the uh, home test kits and Codell.
3: Okay, my apologies. My apologies, and I second the motion.
0: Thanks, sir. Motion made and seconded. Is there any further discussion with the board? All those in favor say aye. 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 Those opposed? Passes by unanimous vote. Sir, we'll, we'll, we'll discuss as we go, go through this and hopefully cover what your questions are. I, I, I appreciate if we can go with the decorum of the board. Maybe I can speak to you afterwards if you felt like we missed something. We can move forward with this. It. Sir, it's been approved. We're moving forward. This is the way the structure of the board runs. I apologize.
3: But. sir
0: sir I, I appreciate your passion with this and, and standing where you are there's certain to the quorum and policies that we follow as a board we've opened it up for discussion of the board and this board has done its best to allow public comment throughout this process more so than others and it's not to the satisfaction of everyone I don't I don't I don't mean to say that it's going to satisfy everybody. But to follow the procedures and policies that we have, this is what we have in front of us. 6.02, DPH guidance.
6: Thank you, Mr. Lightfield. Throughout the pandemic, we have, as we've discussed tonight, we've relied and followed recommendations of the state with regard to quarantine protocols, the ability to offer test to stay options for our students should hopefully significantly reduce the number of students who must quarantine. Recently, the governor announced the mask requirement in public schools would expire on March 31st. That said, we are aware that if masks are optional, the quarantine recommended recommendations provided by the state that we have followed thus far will need to be evaluated. We will continue to monitor this guidance and we'll be prepared to make changes when needed. If there is indeed a shift with quarantine protocols, I think this district will be well positioned based on what we've talked about tonight to continue to offer additional in-house testing options in the future and surveillance testing for families that would like to utilize that program.
0: Great discussion from the board in relation to
3: guidance that Dr. Owen just put out. All right. As far as what the state is telling us that their recommendations are, um, I have not read the most recent recommendations. As somebody correctly pointed out, they change about the way my pendulum clock goes back and forth. Um, And I really would need to take a look at those recommendations, because if they continue to use words like shall and will, which we know are in the other ones, uh, that is a the state can deny all they want, but when you put words like that in there, again, we're back to an attorney forcing us to do something.
0: Doc I agree. as we found out in the August board meeting, when we got into the no confidence in the governor and the mask mandate, because uh, it wasn't specifically labeled as a topic in our agenda, we had a FOIA request that made that null and void. So we'll stay specific to the task that's brought in front of us tonight and deal directly with DPH guidance in regards to the quarantine procedures and not get into the mask because we can do nothing with the mask mandate as we've tried to do until it concludes on March 31st. Any further discussion with the board on the guidance of the quarantine procedures? I make a motion for the district to continue following DPH guidance with regard to COVID-19 and quarantine procedures, as they've done until the updated guidance is provided. Motion out there is a second. Motion made and seconded. Any further discussion? And I think it's important that this motion is just within the quarantine procedures, not whatever mask mandates come out and any changes in the future.
3: Okay. Within the confines of our new testing procedures, which would allow for more common sense approach, this is something that I would second and certainly vote for. But the fact that we are now allowing a more easy testing procedure, which I do believe will ameliorate virtually all of the concerns regarding what the governor has at this point, or at least a large chunk of them.
0: Thanks, Doc. There's a motion, a second. Is there any further discussion? All those in favor, say aye. 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 Those opposed? Motion passes unanimously. 6.01, 6.02. Dr. Owen, is there anything further coming from the board this evening? No, sir. Meeting adjourned.